We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Tyrese Halliburton, and you're listening to Setting the Pace. Look, setting the pace with Alex and Fauci. Alex and Fauci. Alex and Alex. If I put our jacks in the paint, how you gonna stop me? How you gonna stop me? We can go head to head. Call out your top three. Call out your top three. Look at the switch from Buddy here. Now that boy got three. We got Holly Burton running point. This is a Benedict for the shot. If anybody gon' come in the post, then we got Miles Turner for the block. Setting the pace, going to the top. Setting the pace, going to the top. This is your number one podcast. Sweeping every team. We gon' need a mop. Pacer Nation, welcome back to another episode here of Setting the Pace. I'm your host, Alex Golden. And joining me is the lucky charm himself. Michael J. Fachi, the Pacers are 1-0 after game one. Fachi, how you doing? Well, I'm feeling great now that I'm being called the lucky charm instead of the curse. So, I mean, life's pretty good right now. But, Alex, oh, man, Pacer basketball is not just back. It feels like this is the start of something new. And here's what I'm going to say. Yeah, the Pacers won 143-120. to 120. What we saw on the court did not look like the first you know, time or the first regular season game between this group. This looked like a group that was having fun together and a group that had chemistry together. And I cannot wait to build on this. Yeah, it was an interesting dynamic. I think that the very first quarter was not a good quarter for the Pacers. Oh, no, no, no. Yeah, they gave up 39 points. But then after that, the final three quarters, they never gave up more than 30. And I thought to myself, Rick Carlisle mentioned it in post-game press conference. Tyrese Halliburton mentioned it in the post-game press conference. Like, yeah, we want to try to keep teams scoring 30 or less in every quarter. And I'm thinking to myself, that's still 120 points. <laughs> that's wow. not that great. So I don't really know where they find that balance at, but I think like 25 to 27 is better. Yeah, that's where I see it at. I, I mean, the NBA's changed a lot since over the last five, 10 years or so. You can't give up 120 points per game and expect to win on a nightly basis. So yeah, 25 to 27, it's probably as good as it could get. 
Yeah, but you know, 143 points and their win over the Wizards is the most by any team in a season opener since 1995. It's also fifth most all time. In addition to that, Bruce Brown had a career high six threes in his Pacers debut. So all that was brought to you by ESPN Stats and Info, but I thought that was great information because Bruce Brown, he started things off with a a unique style, walking in with the overalls, with the cowboy hat. That was something. The picture went viral. I don't know if you heard any of the post-game press conference comments on that. Tyrese (laughs) Halliburton did uh, did not approve. I mean, it was was interesting to say maybe what he wasn't wearing, uh, you know, with with that (laughs) outfit. But... uh, that was definitely a statement, and you know what? Hey, his play backed it up on the court because we talked about, you know, Bruce Brown preseason. We were like, okay, you know what? A lot of his contributions aren't going to be from the, the scoring standpoint. We don't need him averaging 15 to 20, but what we saw tonight looked like a, a next layer in his game, and specifically mm-hmm. for three-point line like you mentioned. Six of eight, I mean, he had it going on. He was a plus 15 in the game that tied for the, for the best on the Pacers. And I, I just, and this just looked like a guy that you said, now that was our big free agent signing. And he made a major impact tonight. I, w- I would like to go back and see how many of those threes were like wide open where there was no defender within reach of him. Uh, I, I keep thinking of the words that Chris Collinsworth uses when he just talks about wide open receivers and calls them unmolested. That's, <laughs> Literally all I can think about right now is how many unmolested threes did he take? <laughs> what a few. Um, but yeah, no, I I thought Bruce Brown, like I looked at the box score and I said, he had 24 points. It was one of those things where it did not feel like he had that many. Like you nah. knew he had hit some threes. I didn't realize he had hit six of eight. It, it felt like to me early on, it was the Andrew Nimhard, Jalen Smith show that kind of got us back mm-hmm. into the, the first half. Yep. And Buddy Hill had some nice plays there and some nice baskets there. And, um, Thought he really stepped up in that second uh, quarter. But, yeah, then Tyrese comes out in the third. I think he had 11 points in four minutes. Like, it was truly the Tyrese show. Miles didn't really get into a rhythm tonight. Rick Carlisle mentioned that, and it just felt like Miles is still trying to get his footing under him with this group and trying to figure out where he fits. Because last year, like, all-star level season, potentially for Miles with 18 points a game, almost eight rebounds, right? Like, it was just, like, one of those things where it's like Miles – Really had a great year last year, but now we talked about this in the offseason, like so many mouths to feed. A lot. And it's just, I think it's going to be a different role for Miles this year where he might not have as flashy of numbers. I, I think so as well. And that, that doesn't mean that he's going to have a worse year by any means. He had eight boards tonight. He had three blocks. There's a lot of things that he did still do very well. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I don't think this is going to be Turner averaging 18, but he, there's a scenario where he could average about 15 and he could still end up having a very well-rounded season that leads to success for the Pacers. When you talk about a lot of mouths to feed, it's like a buffet out there. Alex, eight players scored in double figures for the Pacers. I'd say, I mean, that's something they only did, I want to say, it was four times last year. So this just feels like something that, whoa, you did this in, in night one, game one of the season. Wow, we saw... Something tonight that I just felt like looked like this could have been almost us hitting our full potential, but it happened on night one. And I, I yeah. say that offensively, of course. But the key, you know, we've talked about on this show, if you can get to 30 assists, you had a really good night. The Pacers had 30 assists with 10 minutes to go in the fourth. They finished with 38 assists. The ball movement tonight, it was 
contagious. I mean, these guys were truly buying in to getting the best available shot, not just someone trying to hunt their own shot. Maybe later on in the fourth quarter when the game was out, out of control for a couple of players just trying to get some minutes in there. But I felt like as a unit, this Pacers team was swinging around, and we saw it with Tyrese Halliburton. Tyrese with 11 assists. We saw Andrew Nemhard with, I want to say it was 10, 10 assists. assists. Yep, double, 10 double. assists. And we saw Buddy Heald and, and Benedict Mathur with five assists apiece. Ben only did that two times last year, and he did it in game one this year. How about that? Yeah, you can definitely tell the assists were up this year, and the ball movement was great. I think Aaron Neesmith even had a play at the end of uh, the time when he was in the game where he, like, I think he either drove to the basket and then he either drove to the basket or he saved it. I need to go back and rewatch the game. It's all kind of a blur right now. But he was basically going like falling out of bounds under the basket and threw a pass back to the top of the key for a wide-open Benedict Mather in three. Mm -hmm. And it was just like, man, if, if, uh, if Aaron Neesmith is doing that, like, we already know Bruce Brown, Buddy is an underrated passer. We know that Nimhart and Tyrese are good passers. Um, I, I think Obi Toppin has pretty good feel as well, and Ben Matherin's getting better. So it's like, if you constantly have guys out there that are just looking to move the basketball, it's going to be beneficial. But in addition to 38 assists, Fachi, they only had 12 total turnovers for the game. So you're looking at a three to one ratio in terms mm -hmm. of assist to turnovers where the wizards, they had 28 assists, but they had 14 turnovers. So there's more of a two to one ratio. So you got to really like the fact that the Pacers were protecting the basketball and not allowing Washington to, you know, have any impact defensively, but Washington's defense might be no. <laughs> the worst defense in the league. Oh, my God. It, it's got to be the worst defense in the league. You know, like I said, I lived in D.C. for a while. I still have friends that, that are over there. And someone said, yeah, well, I'm, I'm, I'm not really that impressed. You guys struggled a bit. I was like, struggled a bit? <laughs> what, the first quarter? We beat yeah. you by 23. The pace is shot. I mean, 52% for the game. I mean, in a lot of assets, you know, a lot of facets of the game, they dominated. So, and I want to I want to – you one better when you mentioned about the turnovers 12 turnovers for the game awesome alex they had 10 at halftime that means mm. they only had two turnovers in the second half yeah you're right about that i felt like the pacers played an extraordinary second half obviously a really good second quarter as well but once they got that lead in that second quarter they never looked back and what i loved is we saw the pacers first they left 39 points and then it just decreased from there every single time. 39, 29, 28, 24. It just felt like they tightened up. And, and while the Pacers managed to score at least 33 in every quarter. So I, I think that what we saw offensively tonight was just awesome. It feels like we're going to have these type of nights because we already knew this was a very talented offensive team you know, coming into the year. But I, I felt like they took some strides defensively as the game went on. But there is just so many different players that we could highlight in this game. I mean, is there someone in specific maybe you want to give a little extra shine to before we make our way through some of these guys? Yeah, I mean, it was just such a uh, a nice balance here. But I think, you know, it all starts with Tyrese. And I think that Tyrese is coming out in the third quarter and just putting his foot down, dropping those 11 points in four minutes was just kind of like set the tone for the rest of that half. Definitely. And it allowed the Pacers to kind of, break away from Washington because Washington was hanging around. I think it was 73, 67 at halftime. And you're thinking, okay, the, the Wizards are still hanging around a little bit, but Tyrese did separate them. But in 13 minutes, Jalen Smith had 13 points and eight rebounds, five of six from the field. He had two threes that looked very good. Like they were, they were set shots. He was confident when he took them. And I think that 
if we could get Jalen Smith, and we talk about this a lot during the offseason, so it's good to kind of see him bringing that to to light because we were so like, especially me, I felt like if he could get back to being a three-point threat of just some sort, 35%, 32%, like just a competent average, yep. just below average three-point shooter, it's going to open up a little bit of the offense. But if he can get back to maybe what he was two years ago when they first made that initial trade for him from Phoenix – and he can be a guy that shoots around 38-40, oh, that man. could be Oof. really huge for that Pacers second unit. But those those two so that's me. And then uh, one guy that I, I'm going to constantly fight for, I've been fighting for him all offseason, is my guy Andrew Nimhard. I thought the fact that he was tied with Tyrese for assist at seven each at the end of the first half was pretty telling of the kind of game that he had. And great to see Rick Carlisle decide to give him the ball with that second unit and not kind of pigeonhole him into that shooting guard spot. No, I completely agree. Nemhard looked awesome. 12 points, 10 assists, a double-double. It's 10 assists to just two turnovers. He shot six of nine. I mean, Nemhard just is like, I know he only got to play in one preseason game, and it was like, okay, well, you know, could he have any any rust or anything of the sort? No. He looked awesome. And you can see that it's great that he is going to have the ball in his hand. He's going to be able to lead that second unit which kind of also brings me a little bit into some some comments that Carl had after the game. You know, you were there. Do you want to yeah. talk about some of those? Because it was pretty uh, important, I'd say. Yeah, I mean, it was an emotional time for Carlisle. He got up there and just kind of said, before I get into anything, I want to talk about T.J. McConnell and the lack of minutes he got. He said, I had a very hard conversation yesterday, one that nearly brought me to tears. And he said, I just told T.J. that right now, the minutes aren't lining up for him to get into the, the rotation right now. And he said, well, TJ was not happy to hear that. He said, you know, I'm going to be professional about this. And one thing he also did say is that he is the biggest Nimhart supporter and advocate. Love it. So it's one of those things where TJ, you know, doesn't like the fact that he's not playing because he's good enough to play. And oh, Rick absolutely. Said, and Rick said there's going to be times when he does need to go in there because he, Rick even said tonight that there was a time in the, in the first quarter when Danilo Gallinari was the five and the Wizards started having some offensive success, he thought about going to Daniel Tice to give them some kind of boost there because Daniel Tice was familiar with that in FIBA play, playing that style of basketball. So he thought about it, but wrote it out with Jalen Smith because Jalen was playing pretty well. But I just thought that the way that you know McConnell handled this so professionally, but it's interesting because if you remember when we first had Jay Michael on the podcast back when Rick was hired, he talked about how TJ wouldn't be a guy that lasted here because TJ doesn't shoot the ball well. Mm -hmm. And we've seen TJ evolve as a three-point shooter. Yes. And, you know, Rick has grown to love him. Uh, I, I was told at one point that if the front office were to call Rick and say, hey, we're trading TJ, like he would like lose his mind. Okay. So that's where I'm like, okay, that makes a lot of sense. And it's like, it's really cool to see how Rick has bonded with TJ so well. But like, it was it was really tough for him. And he said it was just, one of the hardest conversations he's ever had as a coach. And he basically said, and I'm sure they're going to have to bleep this out because he did drop an F-bomb. He said, the uh, the essence of coaching, it's effing hard. And yeah. I think that it's tough because we talk about this third this third string that we have at the Pacers, like this 15-man roster, like some of these guys in the third string really could be, make a case, I should say, for 
getting into that second unit and getting some minutes, but it's just Absolutely. tough because they have so many guys that they want to play. So sorry for hogging up so much time here, but you could just feel the emotion from Carlisle. Like Kravitz kind of asked him later in the press conference, another question about TJ. And it felt like Rick was getting a little choked up having to talk about it again publicly. So, you know, I respect TJ McConnell. And I thought it was just absolutely wonderful by the fans to erupt when he was entered into the game with six minutes left. I mean, that's the kind of love this fan base has for TG. It, it, they really do. I mean, the the eruption the crowd had, I mean, you could hear it on TV. You can obviously feel it when you were there. But it felt like that was the type of ovation for someone who, I don't know, you would have thought maybe he had been, like, out of, away from the game for, like, a year. Like, some type of, you know, I, I don't want to say, like, when Victor Oladipo came back. But, like, it was like the crowd was loud, and, mm-hmm. and they really appreciated TJ. And Another comment Carl Alves was talking about was basically saying, you know, hey, he doesn't want to trade McConnell or anything like that. His agent might feel a little bit differently, but it just felt like we don't know if, I mean, all signs would point to this would probably be TJ's last year in Indiana. He's too good to just not play. And look at even in the six minutes that he had, four points, two of two shooting. He had two assists, uh, two steals. I mean, TJ McConnell, I mean, he brings it. But it's obvious, and we talked about it months ago, Rick has his job cut out for him. It is a tough decision on this roster on what you're going to do. And you and I really struggled to find TJ McConnell minutes. Mm-hmm. And in the end, it's it's obvious that, that those minutes are all really going to be hard to come by. And it doesn't mean that he's just like, a, you know, they're not going to play him, period. There will be situations he'll come in, but it might not be on a, on a routine basis. And at this point, it looks like the Pacers will probably roll nine deep i imagine that 10th guy is isaiah jackson that's kind of what we saw tonight uh you know what were your thoughts on essentially i imagine the group is obviously the starting five you know it aaron, um andrew nemhard aaron neesmith buddy and jalen smith yeah i think an i mean rotation actually simplifies things it allows for one of those five starters to be out there and get more minutes and i don't think isaiah jackson is really the 10th man on this roster i think that jalen and miles both had four fouls and yeah. the lead was kind of pulling away. And I think Carlisle's like, okay, yeah, I'm going to let Isaiah get some run here. And then, you know, I, in those minutes, I thought Isaiah was okay, especially in the third yeah. quarter, but he had a terrible foul where he just like swiped yeah. down. I think it was on Gafford or whoever it was, got the rebound. And Carlisle just like looked at him and where I was sitting at, you could just tell Carlisle was like, what, why would you do that? Like that's just <laughs> such a dumb, unnecessary foul. And that's kind of been the Isaiah Jackson experience. It's just it been has. like, you know, he's got the athleticism. He threw down a nasty lob at the end of the game from Jordan Wara after Jairus Walker had a beautiful steal. It, which, yes, and, and I do like how you said that. I even tweeted it because Jairus goes 0 for 5, but that was a great poke out yeah. that led to that basket. So it's like mm-hmm. that can't be overlooked because that really was a smart defensive play, but it was cool to just see, you know, Jairus Walker poke it loose. Noir feeds Isaiah Jackson for Ajax to, to get that slam at the end. It was just good to get the, all those players involved. Yeah, I will say this tonight uh, with the media, I was sitting next to Rob Mahoney for the ringer and we were going back and forth, kind of talking about some things. And one of the things that Rob brought up is Jairus is just so random with his playing, Um, like random in terms of like some consistent, like he can have burst of just like great play and oh, yeah. like burst of just like uh, questionable play. So I thought that was a really, you know, great point by him to bring that up. Just like, He's like, he's just so random. You just never know what you're going to get. And then, then literally two seconds later, he had that. So he's like, see what I mean? I was like, yeah, no, I get it. Because on that game on Friday, I think we talked about it. He took a terrible jump shot 
with like four seconds into the shot clock. And it's just like, okay, uh, Jairus is a young player. And I think people are like, we're making a big mistake by not getting him playing time. I, I think what you have to realize is this team right now is trying to balance developing with winning. Yes. They've got a lot of young guys in their core that are playing minutes. You know, Tyrese is still really young, but he's obviously your best player. Ben and Andrew are in year two. Aaron's really young. Jalen's still young. You know, these are all mm-hmm. guys from that 2020 draft class. You know, they're they're trying to establish themselves as players and, and get more reps. So, yeah, you want to see Jarius get in there because he was the eighth overall pick. But we talked about it yesterday. Rick Carlisle came out and said, look, it's not going to be early on for him with minutes. And he really likes his style of play. And I think that there's a lot of things to be excited about, but just give it time. Uh, don't overreact at one game. And I think that the rotation, like you talked about, it just makes a lot of sense to me. Simplify it. I think Bruce Brown played some with that second unit. I know that Tyrese did too. And it was kind of interesting because at one point, I think it was the starting five from last year, except Jalen was in for miles. And that group seemed to have some good chemistry. Yeah, I I just love the chemistry just overall what we saw. It's funny because a lot of the players that you mentioned, I mean, they're 23 years old or less. So it's just like it's a young team, but with a lot of promise that you are trying to develop on the fly. And I just felt like, you know, what we saw tonight was promising to be able to build on. The Pacers, you know, they won the rebounding battle. They won the assist battle. I mean, they pretty much won every battle except for the free throw discrepancy. That was major. I mean, Washington shot 29 free throws to the Pacers, 12. That is a huge difference. But uh, overall, I I just think that there was a lot of positives uh, in this game. I felt like you got good contributions from just about every player that you expect to get or, you know, good contributions from. I think that, you know, you looked at the end of the rotation, it was obvious that guys like Jordan Awara, uh, TJ McConnell, Daniel Tice, I mean, they you didn't know if they were going to get in unless it became uh, a bit of a blowout in this game. And I think for Nawara, you know, just in specific, it was just funny because he gets out there. I mean, he manages to get up seven shots in, in six minutes. This is a guy who's like, ah, I'm going to let it fly. So I, he made like his first two baskets. I was like, okay. And then, you know, Went a little bit cold after that, but yeah, uh, one player we didn't get to touch on, just uh, Buddy Heald. I thought Buddy you yeah. know, had it going. Buddy was Buddy. 14 points, four of seven shooting from three. Um, Yeah, he's going to be still you know, what we can count on uh, on a nightly basis, even if he isn't in the starting lineup. So I thought that was awesome to see. Yeah, he really did some nice things with the basketball, aside from scoring, too. Like, he made some really nice passes. Yeah, mm-hmm. so we did mention that a little bit. And- yep. What's one thing I feel like we've seen Buddy evolve at more this year? I mean, it's been four preseason games and one regular season game, but we've seen Buddy become a more willing passer. And kind of this one preseason game. Yeah. I mean, that's awesome. Yeah, I think five in this game right here is huge. Oh, yeah. But it's going to be interesting because you talked about the foul shots and the free throw attempts, right? 29 to 12. Problem mm-hmm. is the Pacers committed 12 more fouls than the Washington Wizards in this game. The Pacers committed 23 fouls to Washington's 11. I yep. think part of that is not a lot. <laughs> the, 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 the Wizards are just a really interesting team. I mean, they are, they're probably the worst team in the league. There's a reason why people have been kind of I, like labeling yeah. us that they came out with a little bit of a chip on their shoulder. I thought that first quarter was good. You know, yeah. that. my whole thought process was like, okay, is this how this is going to be? Like everybody was making jokes about how bad the defense was in the first quarter. But then they really turned things around, the Pacers did. And I think that, you know, Rick Carlisle was not pleased with that first quarter. Like, I could see him down there on the bench yelling at the guys, like, coaching them hard. Just like, we've got to, like, be more disciplined. And I think 
we start we started to see a change in the defense when we did go to that second unit because I think Neesmith and Nimhart are two of your top three defenders, and then Bruce yeah. Brown came back in. So you had those three out there together to me with Jalen, and I think it was um, Bruce Brown. So you're mm-hmm. talking about that five with Buddy. Buddy was out there too. So it's like, yeah, Buddy's a bad defender, and Buddy's never going to be a good defender. I just bottom line, he just can't help himself. But if you surround him with three really your three of your best or your your three best perimeter defenders and Miles and or Jalen who can protect the rim, like that's the recipe for success to get the most out of Buddy Heald. So yeah, I think that overall this is a great first game to kind of get your feet wet, see what this team could look like. But it's not getting any easier, Fachi, because on no. Saturday they're on the road against Cleveland, a team that people think could be a top three team in the Eastern Conference. Yeah, this ain't going to be the Cavs team that we just beat in the preseason. That's missing, uh, you know, a, a couple guys. Uh, Darius Garland, Jared Allen missed that game. Um, I, I think that uh, this is going to be a, a Cavs team that plans on contending. I think it was Max Struess dropped 27 points tonight, 12 rebounds. I mean, they, they are an improved Cleveland team. So, And they were one of the best road teams last year. So... Mm-hmm. You know, I don't want to say, hey, could the Pacers steal one? But this is a good test to be like, okay, we just played the team that's expected to probably finish last in the NBA, beat them by 23. Now, what, what do we do against a team that actually does have aspirations of being a top four seed in the East? That, I don't know if I can give you the answer yet, but I think defensively is where we're going to learn a lot about this Pacers team. No, you're right about that. I think it's going to be interesting to just – See how they build off of this. It's a it's a great win for a home opener in front of your fans. So I think last year they lost at Washington in the home opener, didn't they? They did. It's when like Miles Turner like crazily Fell. like rolled his ankle or whatever it was yeah, during on a staffer. Yeah, and <sighs> that was rough. Yeah, they were saying it was on a ball boy, but it was actually a staffer. But they didn't want to say that it was a a, a <laughs> staffer for whatever reason. I don't know. I just remember that it was a big deal. And so yeah. kind of set him back. And then Terry Taylor started, I think, that game. He did. That yeah. was surprising. Terry Taylor, Jalen Smith, Buddy Heald, Tyrese Halliburton. I'm trying to think who the fifth starter was in opening night last year. Do you remember? Mm-hmm. Nimhart wasn't in the rotation. McConnell came off the bench. Neesmith came off the bench. Um, Is it Chris Duarte? It was Chris Duarte. Yeah. I think you're right. That's yeah. <laughs> that's a crazy lineup. Just I mean, the five we yeah. went starting last season to this season. <laughs> well, yeah, it's just a, a lot's changed. I mean, it, year over year, it's like there's barely anyone still there, or you know, there, it's just so much has just changed. They mentioned yeah. just a couple years ago how you know, obviously, we have like a, a handful of players from just like three seasons ago. But yeah, things are different. This is a also. I got I got to point this out. It was just amazing to see the injury report none yeah it's just like seeing that was like all right we're going into this season healthy like no mysterious injuries like the turner one that we just mentioned nothing really lingering like this is a pacers team that can be able to you know show from day one what they got what they could bring to the table and just yeah we talked about a little bit just the the fact that they had near 40 assists the fact that eight players scored in double figures I mean, this just felt like there is so many options on this team that it doesn't need to be – you're not relying on one guy. And and what's crazy is we made it this far in the episode. We complimented Matherin's five assists. He also had 18 points. 
So it's just like, it's not like he was just, oh man, he's not really shooting. Like, yeah, it was six of 15 from the field, but to, to still get your 18, but also have five assists is just like, man, you could just see he's making that effort to get others involved. And hey, I, I don't think he's going to complain because the Pacers got the win. He scored, he distributed. I mean, I, I just, man, this was one of those nights where it's like, I'm excited to talk to other people tomorrow about that. You see that Pacer game? Oh yeah. Like, yeah. We're, we're back. And, and it just feels good. And you know, there's going to be the other side, but you play the Wizards. It doesn't matter. You can't control who you play. You can only control how you play. That's and good. in this situation, the Pacers putting up 143 points. Like you mentioned, it's actually the most on opening day in our lifetime. Yeah. So how about that? I love that quote. You can't control who you play. You can only control how you play. So, oh, right. Yeah, that's that's a great way to sum it up, Fachi, and just say, look, you got to play those on your schedule. You got to play 82 games. You're going to play these teams multiple times throughout the year. So it doesn't really matter if it's the first game, the 42nd game, or the 82nd game. Got to go out there and take care of business against the teams that are supposed to be worse than you, especially if you're trying to solidify yourself as a team that's going to be a playoff team. So not looking good for my Atlanta Hawks pick after they lost at on the road to Charlotte, but there's yeah, always there's always that, a random team that starts always. off like 3-0, and 5-0, and everyone's like, oh, are they legit? Then they fall off the face of the earth. Not saying that that's going to be the Hornets, but I will say a home opener against a division uh, opponent. does not surprise me that they won, but um, that Mark Williams block, I know we're not talking about the, the Hornets, but that Mark Williams block that was going viral on Twitter, I don't know if you saw it or not. but I didn't, actually. He legit just like jumped up straight in the air and grabbed the ball instead of blocking it. like Just like grabbed it with mm. one hand and pulled it down. I was like, Mark Williams is legit. <laughs> yeah, I, I got to see that. I, I did see Andre Drummond steal the ball from Chet Holmgren and just break his ankles. I mean, that was like, yeah, that was like an absolute welcome to the NBA moment for Chet Holmgren because it's like, even Andre Drummond did that. A, a guy who, look, while he was good, is by no means in his prime. But for him to be able to put the moves on Chet, it's like, a, hey, get ready. This is real NBA talent, not that summer league, you know, talent, anything like that. But one thing I also want to say when you're talking about shot blockers, Roy Hibbert in the building. We also, yeah. also had Rick Smith. You know, even Adam Silver, even if it had to do with all star stuff, Adam Silver was in the building. He could have been anywhere. But he was in Indiana watching this game. And for that, the stars were out. I love it. But I just hope that we can keep this going. I want to keep like making that concerted effort to bring back players from the past. I thought on night one, and the Pacers did a great job of it. Yeah, it was really cool. We actually got to do a little bit of an interview with Roy Hibbert before the game started in the media room, or excuse me, in the, in the press conference room where Rick Carlisle does all of his stuff. So that might be available later on YouTube. I'm not sure, but... It was really cool to talk to Roy. Um, I did ask him what he thought about the All-Star game being in Indianapolis, and he said, I think it's great. It brings back attention. He said, you know, I, I got in trouble for saying that y'all mother effers don't watch us play. Mm -hmm. Classic. And he said, I think that's how these guys still feel today because the Pacers are still not respected like they should be. Um, but he just, you know, talked a lot about how much he loves the city, how much he loves the fan base, and how much, you know, how much it hurt him when he was traded. He said, I'm kind of done with these guys. But at the end of the day, he said, I'm just happy that things worked out the way that they have and talked about his coaching career and how he went from that to now he's working for CBS as a broadcaster. Mm -hmm. And I think he's going into year two now doing that and just said that he didn't really want to deal with uh, the, the negatives of coaching 
that came along with it. So he he didn't get into too many details because he wanted to be controversial, but he was pretty, you know, pretty excited to be there. And he was the first person to rev it up because that is a thing again this year. And uh, it is still horribly done sound wise. You can barely even hear the engine revving. It's like, you got to find a better way to get an engine that can sound really cool when they rev it up. Like, I don't think it should be that hard, but yeah, it's pretty lackluster. There's not a lot of umph to it, but it was great to see Roy back, Rick Smith's back. And they didn't even show Rick on the Jumbotron during the game. It was like Mario Andretti and then uh, one of the Fever players is in the building as well. That was the two people they highlighted in the game, but it's like, couldn't even get love for Rick Smith. <laughs> they got to show Rick Smith some love. I mean, that man was as loyal as it came to the Pacers and uh, yeah, truly one of the Pacer greats, uh, especially over the last, at this point, man, I guess it's, last 30 plus years but uh they mentioned one one thing when i was on the broadcast i think it was Kristen there he said something like roy hadn't been back since like 2016 or it had been quite some time 2016 when i heard that i went oh my god what so i just really hope that this is like some type of like moment where we could really you know when you when you hear that you, you you just think of like how much of how big of a presence Roy had on those back-to-back conference championship teams, a two-time all-star. I mean, Roy was awesome for the Pacers. He'll always be thought of as an Indiana Pacer. And those are the type of players that I want to be able to bring back to Indiana who have not been there in years. It's like, we got to make a whole list. I want to cross them off. It's like, give me some Granger. I don't know who's next, but it's just like, that was awesome to see. And I just feel like Roy's gone through a lot of healing over the last few years where like he's in a great spot and you always love to just have those players talking about the Pacers again, which we saw him tweet out about the Pacers just about a week ago. Let's be honest. Jermaine O'Neal's comments on Instagram have prompted the Pacers to be more proactive. I totally think stuff. so. Mm-hmm. And you know what? I'm glad that Jermaine O'Neal did, did say something because oh my. it might not be J.O. right now. It might take some time to get that situation healed, but I think Rick Carlisle is a perfect guy to reach out to him because he did absolutely. And if you go look at some YouTube clips, you can even hear Rick Carlisle talking about how Jermaine should be in the top three conversation for MVP in the MVP season that he had with Love Kevin that. Garnett, Tim Duncan. So I'll just say this. We're Hibbert coming back opening night to rev it up, do an interview with the media, talk about his time here a little bit and talk about just what he's been up to and that kind of thing. That's great. And then you also just like just last week or two weeks ago, Al Jefferson was with the team. I love seeing that. Yeah, so it's like, you know, they're they're doing a better job of trying to get former guys back. We'll see if it continues. I would be a little bit surprised if it doesn't, but I thought Roy had some great moments. He said, tonight's not about me. It's about these guys on the court. I didn't really come to much practice. I wanted them to just kind of focus on what they were doing. I want to be a distraction. So I just kind of visited the city, took some pictures, and enjoyed it. So, yeah, I think I think Roy Hibbert is a very great interview. I, I, I was really impressed by how good of a talker he was, how good of a conversationalist he was. And just, you were just excited to hear what Roy had to say. So um, I think a lot of people are excited to, uh, to see big Roy back in the building, the double nickel. You know, he said, people ask me, what's your favorite moment? And they're like, oh, you know, the block on Carmelo or the games against the Heat. And he said, well, those are all great. He said, it's just this city, man. I love this city. So that was awesome to hear. Great answer. And, and I just feel like just with everyone, you go through those, those highs and those lows and, you know, it's so crazy because I remember when Roy signed what was like I think a max contract at the time. I want to say it was like fifty-five or sixty million dollars. I mean, it's just like money has changed so much in the NBA. I remember people be like, "Oh, is he overpaid or not?" Like this, and it's just like he was a player that 
it was kind of changing defense at the time back then. And then obviously the game itself changed, but nonetheless, the Roy years in Indiana, we always look back as great. And it just felt good to have them back in the building, especially to get a win there. Let's just keep it going. Let's keep bringing back the guys from the past. Let's keep getting these wins. And on a night like tonight, I I don't have anything to complain about. There's not one thing that I'm like, Man, the Pacers are in trouble, or what was this, or we're worried about that. Nope, I just felt like this was some good old-fashioned fun tonight. Oh, man. Well, I mean, I don't feel the same way as you do. I think they got to get off to better starts. I think they got to play better defense. I think well, they got to work I, on their fouling still. Oh, so, well, I mean, yes, yes, yes. The, all I mean, all look. the stuff they preached at training camp, I did not feel good after I left that game tonight. <laughs> but I said, thank God it was the Wizards and not a team that is a little bit more of a, of a threat in the playoffs. So, Good tune-up game, good opportunity. Like, I'm not trying to discredit the, the Wizards. No, I Kyle Kuzma the tune-up, well. it is. Yeah. No, Kyle Kuzma played well. I thought Daniel Gafford was pretty active tonight. I didn't think that uh, um, our, our guy, Jordan Poole, played very well. But no. he was kind of streaky. But Tyus Jones lit us up in the first half. Same with Danilo Gallinari. So, like, they've got some players on that team that can really, like, do some stuff. Bilal Koulibaly is an interesting guy. I think he's the one that blocked uh, Ben Shepard's. He did. Uh, and Chip so, thought he had that. Uh, the yeah. way that Ben was going for it, I feel like he was thinking, like, this is it. Like, this is my moment, my NBA basket. And it's just, like, swatted. But, you yeah. know, hey, it, it shows, man, that they're they're fast out there. Even yeah. though Kubali's a rookie, it's still uh, – he. I, I definitely want to give him credit on that. That was a nice block. Yeah, and I, I do want to bring up one thing because I thought it was interesting. Did you notice the play it. where Kyle Kuzma kind of got out for, a, like, a, a leak or a fast break, and Bruce Brown, like – hustled all out to like try to prevent the shot from happening and he fouled him and a lot of fans were booing pretty upset with it because they called the foul on Bruce Brown but uh he prevented Kyle Kuzma from getting a layup Mm -hmm. Bruce held his hand up he claimed that he got the foul it was in the first half and I remember looking down at Carlisle and Carlisle was clapping his hands because what Carlisle liked was the fact that Bruce Brown busted his butt to get back there and prevent Kyle Kuzma from getting an easy layup or an easy dunk, made them run at the free throw line and not give them the that extra momentum to maybe go on a little bit of a run. So I thought like little things like that with Bruce Brown are where you can kind of see like how he's impacting the game besides being such a solid shooter and uh, a nice decision maker on ball defender. Like just those kind of hustle plays are what are infectious for a team in terms of like, man, that guy just gave it all he had to go out there and, stop a stop an easy transition basket by getting a foul and even though it might not be the greatest result you give him a foul and the guy goes on there for two free throws you can also stop momentum and i think that's just something to keep an eye on just with this team and how bruce can be impactful moving forward yeah we can't count on six of eight from three uh for bruce brown but we can count on those hustle plays and when you see just like you mentioned when you see a player go all out it makes you say, man, I, I got to do that. Or who am I not to go really hard for that next loose ball? And Obi had a moment where he was hustling. He was running up and down the court, just saving, saving, you know, the, the play. And it ended up leading to a basket. And I just felt like that was some awesome hustle at Obi Toppin, which, you know, people say, oh, man, not a good defender of this. Yeah, look, it's going to take some time to work. But he was hustling. Aaron Neesmith was hustling. Buddy Heald had a block. I mean, Tyrese Halliburton had two blocks. It felt like the guys, they, they were going out there and they were really giving an effort, and effort can go a long way. We're mm-hmm. not going to put the clamps on teams night after night. We're probably not really going to hold many teams to below 100 
in, in the current NBA landscape, but I felt that the effort was there, especially after the first quarter. Like, mm-hmm. I think if we were to grade everything after the first quarter, we feel really good about it. The first quarter definitely had, had me thinking, oh, my God, they've been saying they've been working on defense all offseason. This is this is the final result. Yeah. But what we saw after that was much better. Yeah, and I was a little bit worried after Dustin said that how hard training camp was. I thought, man, are these guys <laughs> going to come in tired? Like, that doesn't yeah, sound exciting for me. already but... exhausted. Yeah, I will say this, too. Like, this is a little bit like of a tidbit of just being in the arena. When they introduced Tyrese Halliburton um, with the starting five, Man, the energy in that arena just went from like like an eight to like a twelve out of ten. There was so much excitement for Tyrese Halliburton. Like, and I'm not trying to be dramatic because I told you I kind of got emotional when he signed that extension. And I was like, man, that's just really cool. Like as a Pacers fan, like, you know, oh yeah. Even though I'm in a different role now being with media and kind of covering the team from that standpoint, I'm still a fan at heart. Like, there's no doubt about it. It's hard for me to sit there and not like jump out of my chair or get excited when a good play happens or when something happens, you know trying to keep it calm and cool. But I will say this, when he came out and, and he was introduced and the amount of excitement that there was in the fan base for him, man, I started getting goosebumps. I'm like, man, this is so cool. He is such a good player. He had a, a great, you know, introduction to the fans, thanking them for being there and like, let's yep. have a great season. And then I know he had a sick three that he made in the first quarter too, where he kind of like his footwork got the defender kind of out of nowhere. It's like, how did he pull up and make that? So I'll just say this, Tyrese Halliburton is a special player. There's no way to say it correctly. It's just Pacer fans, you don't realize how lucky you are to have a franchise guy like Tyrese because, yeah, he might not be top 10 right now, top 15, but just the person on and off the court, like, it, it we finally have our guy. Like, the years we've wanted and needing, wanted a point guard to finally have one, and Rick Carlisle said our strongest depth is at our point guard position. That speaks volumes to, like, how really much does. this team has changed over the last couple of seasons. For years and years, we just didn't have a real point guard. It was a series of like kind of like combo type guards that it's like, okay, not a real point guard, but you can play, you know, the the one or the two or this, this that. And it's just like Terry's is a real true point guard. And I mean, I felt like a like a worried parent. I'm sure everybody probably held their breath a little bit. Basically, that first possession when he goes and just slips and just you know completely you know falls on his behind and i'm like oh my god just please please like please tell me everything's all right because it felt like if anything happened to Tyrese that quickly it would have been absolutely devastating and so i saw rick was kind of dragging his feet a little bit on the court making it you know like is, is it you know is it slippery or not do we have this fixed and it, it was great that uh after that moment things turned out to be just all right but Seeing him slip and fall that early, I was like, we do not need any of that. Yeah, for sure. So just giving you a quick update. I don't know if you've heard this or not, but Julie Poe, she tweeted this, or Julia Poe, excuse me. Billy Donovan says when he walked into the Bulls locker room tonight, players were already in heated conversations. He asked if they wanted him to leave the to handle conflict. Players said yes, so he did. Donovan emphasized that embracing conflict is key for this year's roster. Donovan also emphasized that this wasn't a huge blow up. They weren't screaming at each other and players echoed that in post game, but frustration was clear. Zach Levine criticized the second half response. I don't think we played with enough heart. The Pacers play the bulls on Monday at home. So that was worthwhile bringing that up that they're already having locker room meetings after opening night <laughs> players only meetings opening night, the fastest players only meeting in NBA history. So 
Chicago Bulls 2023-2024 season shall be a doozy. That ship might be sinking. I mean, we talked about it. It felt like, you know, all off season. It's like if you got your eyes on on one seller in the East, it could very well be Chicago because we – I was surprised to run it back to hear that it's already getting dicey on uh, night one. I mean, hey, that's great because you look at the other side of things for the Indiana Pacers. This just looks like a group that flat out enjoys each other's presence uh, on and off the court. And I think that's going to translate to bringing out the best in this team. No, for sure. But anyway, sorry for sharing that random tidbit, but I just saw that tweet. It made me laugh, and I was like, I got to share this. I know this is a Pacers podcast, but anytime there's drama with other teams in the division, I think oh, yeah. it's worthwhile talking about. So, Absolutely. Um, we got the Cavs on Saturday. We're going to be back tomorrow for some Pacers trivia, some Pacers fan of the week, and we'll preview that game and get oh, us yeah. a little bit of a heads up of what's going on with the Cleveland Cavaliers, who had a very close game tonight with the Brooklyn Nets and their season opener. So that'll be a good one there to talk about. But Fachi, go ahead and let the people know where they can find us at on faithful, good old social media. Absolutely. So you can find us on Twitter at PacersPod, STP. You can find Alex on Twitter at AlexGoldenNBA. I can be found on Twitter at underscore F-A-C-C-I. You can find us on Instagram at PacersPod, STP. You can find us on Facebook, Set the Pace. You can find us on TikTok, Set the Pace. And Alex, Tell them where they can check us out on YouTube. Ladies and gentlemen, go to YouTube.com slash setting the pace of Pacers podcast. We can find this video up and ready for you guys to check out our post-game reactions. In addition to that, head on over to the blue and golden.substack.com where you can check out the latest article that I put up highlighting our sponsorship with the Ripple Bagel and Deli Company. I think you guys are going to really enjoy that we have released a sandwich i won't uh, share any spoilers on what that sandwich is until you go read it for yourself i'll put a link in the description in inside that article there is a coupon in there for you guys that is you know never expiring basically you just show them when you go to get your sandwich hey i heard about you guys on setting the pace you'll get a free baked good chip or a drink so that is a really cool perk to have with it so um, I hope you guys have checked that out, and um, it's a really, it's a really good-looking sandwich if you haven't seen the pictures already. So make sure you go check that article out. But with that being said, Fachi, if you're glad the Pacers are undefeated, never lost, then hit me with those three words. Let's go Pacers! Setting the pace, going to the top. Setting the pace, going to the top. This is your number one podcast, sweeping every team. We gonna need a mop, smooth. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.